Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody and welcome back to Conversations with Carol. I'm with a good guest of mine, somebody that I've gotten to know over the months and through everything that's been going on, he's, it's only fitting that he's here to not only one, speak about a solution, but speak about his life and what has brought him here today to, to basically help society out. And I'm here with State Attorney David Kennedy. I thank you, man, for coming in here and, and blessing me with your, your knowledge and your insight. And I want to say thank you for taking the time, man. So we just want to, I want to dive into it. I really want to get into your why. What made you who you are and what got you into doing this, being a state attorney and, and helping people? Well, first off, thank you. Mm -hmm. And thank you for even considering me to sit down with you. Man, uh, we met during my campaign for state attorney mm -hmm. uh, when I was running here in Broward County. And you, what I like is that you weren't sold initially. Yeah. You're like, all right, I'll sit down with you, <laughs> have a conversation, but yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And then you watched the journey and then later on you said, you know what, I do support. Mm -hmm. I support because um, I'm watching you grow in your message, especially in a field of eight people. Mm -hmm. uh, how does it resonate with the community? Does it have uh, legs and is it real and is it honest? Mm -hmm. And we tried to run a campaign, and I believe we did run a campaign, where it was honest and we spoke about things that led to criminality but also dealt with the economics of a community and the intersection between really America and the ills of our community yeah. as a whole, not just black folks, not just brown folks, not just white folks, everybody within the community. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I wanted to run for state attorney was because I wanted to help our community, period, end of story. Mm -hmm. Uh, people were asking me to run for different things, judge and school board, but I thought I could do the best work as a state attorney. And as a prosecutor, and that's what it is, the state attorney is the prosecutor for the community. You are the person bringing the charges, you're the person determining if somebody, really making the decision if they are a criminal or they're just somebody that had a bad day. Yeah, exactly. And really when you come to prosecution when it comes to prosecution you want to prosecute the case not persecute the individual mm -hmm. which means that we're looking at the case we're not throwing the book at you because we can't throw the book at you yeah. things like that and these are not just for here in Broward and South Florida that we've had issues with but throughout the country and we can see that with situations like George Floyd or yeah. Breonna Taylor yeah. or anybody else that has gone through the system. So the why is because I want to help our community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that a lot because there's so many people that are me driven. What can I do for me to help myself? And you've you really put yourself out on a ledge as most candidates do. But you're when you were running, I'm saying it's different because you're not, I don't see you as a, a typical politician where you promise something and then you're in office, like, well, forget about you guys. It's more, this is what I want to do to help society. And I want to read a couple of quotes that you have <laughs> just because it's, it's just fitting to what you say, man. And progress in law requires attention to the collective needs of the public and law enforcement in order to shape positive change. Mm. And I believe what you are doing I don't even remember saying that, You man. don't remember <laughs> saying that? Oh, I, you got it, it's you, I'm telling you. But that right there for me, 
shows that you're it's it's deeper than just you trying to win it's you actually fighting for the person's rights which you're yeah. saying instead of just looking at the person individually and what might have happened whether it was a bad day or bad situation mm -hmm. you're looking at the case as a whole what was the setting what was going on what led up to this and you look at it from that way where a lot of people really don't they look at it from oh that was wrong for them to do shame on them and mm -hmm. that's that and then it's it becomes violence versus violence which doesn't solve anything and you you are the person that is really fighting for the solution to help shed a positive light on whoever it might be that is going through whatever they're going through especially what's happening now yeah. there's so many there's so many people well, I want to say people but there's a lot of African Americans that are wrongly tried wrongly mm -hmm. accused and I've been a victim of that before and it could have went it could have went sideways really fast but there's some people that luck is not always on their side and they end up in a bad situation end up incarcerated their, their life derails for whatever reason and now you you have to step in and help them with that so for you that that burden that responsibility how are you able to I guess sum up the power to be able to do that knowing shoot the situation is unfair the situation is bad but how can I help this person to let them see that I'm fighting for them and I'm fighting for their freedom because what you do day to day is I've said it before, you're like a secret agent. It mm -hmm. happens in the courtrooms, and not everybody gets to see the wins. Not everybody gets to see the losses. Nobody, not everybody gets to see the fight that you have to do on a daily basis. So for you, where do you get that encouragement? Where do you get that power? Where do you get that, that will and that discipline to, to fight for the underdog? That doesn't have help from everybody else or somebody else. I, I think part of it comes from life experience. And my journey is not dissimilar to a lot of black folks and African-Americans um, and even in the state attorney's office right now in Broward County mm. there's 225 attorneys about eight of us are black males which means that a large swath of us uh, of the 225 do not have a similar experience these eight black males there's about 15 to 20 black females which is still a small number mm -hmm. for an office in a county that has it's a third black, a third white, a third Hispanic. Yeah. Right? You're not being represented by your people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not running for office anymore, so yeah. even if any of this sounds political, it's not yeah. because I'm not running for office. <laughs> but also, my upbringing was completely different. When I was born in California, mm -hmm. before I was eight years old, I lived in five different states. I went to like eight different schools. I struggled with uh, a learning disability early on. Music helped me like bridge the gap in education for me. I'm classically trained in the cello. I uh, played sports that helped me with teamwork and understanding personalities and how to work with people. I've had guns pulled on me. Mm -hmm. I've been in situations that other people haven't been in. My father's a returning citizen or a former convicted felon. He received clemency from President Obama in 2016. Now he's able to vote. A lot of people didn't have that, yeah. especially work at this office. He's a recovering drug addict. So once you are an addict, you always are an addict. So in dealing with a drug addiction, mm -hmm. when I became a felony attorney, I turned to him. I turned to my uncles who had dealt with these issues and said, how has this, how did you break free? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a former basketball player 
in Palm Beach. His name is Jason Williams. And he opened up a clinic called the Rebound Clinic. And I even asked him, how did you get to where you are now? Mm -hmm. Because he struggled with a lot of those issues when he was younger and also had a lot of legal problems while he was in the league as well. Is this a Duke, Jason Williams? We're talking about, he played for the Nets. He played for, not not Duke, Jason Williams. Oh, I thought it was Not that White one. Chocolate. Like, okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. It's like, at one point he was uh, the highest paid player in the NBA and he, I think, I think it's J-A-Y. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. okay. All right, yeah. And he had a, he had a pretty famous case okay. where uh, he ended up shooting or a, his driver ended up getting shot That's right. and passed That's right. away. Okay. And he was a shooter, but... Didn't something come out in 2017 about this or 16? Like recent, so, this was like... Yeah, he yeah. started the Rebound Institute back yeah. in 2016, 2017, yeah, right. and okay. it's grown and it's, it's great. Yeah. And there are other places like these these guys, um, not the Stones, um, what are they? Uh, uh, I can't believe that I, they're Aerosmith. Whoops. <laughs> Aerosmith. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that they have a drug rehabilitation clinic in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. So there's okay. a lot, this area is rich with resources. Mm -hmm and areas for people to get help yeah. uh, from people who've been through things. Mm -hmm. But me, growing up how I grew up, and then being able to work in the, uh, for the Obama campaign, in the administration, in the U.S. Senate, in the Florida Supreme Court, and now as a prosecutor in Broward County, it allows me to see things completely different. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, most of your prosecutors come from Getting A's and graduating from high school and getting A's and B's, graduating from undergrad, getting A's and B's, going to law school and going to a good school and saying, hey, they get their first C in law school and they're like, oh my gosh, I got my first C. Mm -hmm. Then they graduate with a B and C. And they never really had to work in high school to get to college. They never had to work in college to get to law school. Just given to them. They, because they were just smart, book smart. Mm -hmm. But then they become a prosecutor and they were a BC student, that's fine. And now someone's life is literally in their hands, but they don't understand it. They see a number on a piece of paper and yeah. say, well, that's what the number says, so yeah. let's go with that. So what has propelled me and what makes it a little different is that I can understand, I'm also a former athlete like yourself, never went to the NFL, never went to the NBA, so I'm not, I didn't make it to those heights. Mm -hmm. But being around, and we've spoken about this, yeah. Being around these high-quality athletes, you understand and you see what is given to some of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and how their life is very insular. And I've been around a lot of uh, folks in the music industry too. Very similar. Things, a lot of things are given to them. Mm -hmm. Some people have to work hard. Some people are just naturally talented and they don't. So when their careers are over or they're in their twilight, they're trying to figure things out, there are circumstances sometimes that affect that, yeah. that they react differently than other folks. So again, are you just a bad person or did you have a bad day? Mm -hmm. And if you had a couple strings of bad days, all right, yeah. maybe we need to do something. Maybe it's substance abuse related, maybe it's mental health, maybe you need to sit down for a second. And after you sit down, then we can help you get out of your situation because now you sat for a second, you had an opportunity to think about it, and then we move forward. Mm. And 
just because you can get 30 years in prison, does that mean we give you 30 years in prison? Do, does the situation dictate that? Most just because it, says, it says you get five years mm -hmm. or four years or even two years. Maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 90 days in county jail. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's two years, maybe it's the actual five years. But even still, only 1% of our total society stays in jail or prison for the rest of their life. So that means 99% of people are leaving and they're gonna be re-entered into, re-injected into society. Know. So if you're gonna be re-injected into society, that means that you need to either come out with a changed mind or a skill set that allows you to thrive. Mm -hmm. And if we don't provide that for you as a criminal justice system, at least the opportunity to take advantage of um, new skills and having a change of mind, what are we doing? Yeah. It just becomes a cyclical system. Mm -hmm. I remember you talking about equitable justice yeah. and how it all ties in. Kind of break that down for me in your words as far as what that means and how that can be applied or how how can it be used to where people can understand it the right way because I don't think everybody understands that whole term equitable just and I've heard you say it so many times I think a lot of times people don't even understand what equity is mm -hmm. so people talk about fairness and equality let's get this straight life ain't fair mm -hmm. if you've lived life long enough you know life ain't fair exactly. so let's not get hung up on fairness because it's not gonna be fair mm -hmm. inequality Everyone's not equal. Some people are taller than others. Some people run faster than others. Some people were born into situations that you're not born into. Mm -hmm. I think there's a um, study that says some people, they compare it to baseball. Some people start on third base, some people start uh, on first base, some people start at the batter's box. And then my journey is different than yours. Mm -hmm. Equity means, all right, what are we going to provide, or not even provide, what can we do within the criminal justice space specifically that allows us to apply justice or apply the laws to the individuals based on their, the individual circumstances within the case? Mm -hmm. So a first degree felony. In the state of Florida, first degree felony, uh, you can get 30 years, okay? That's the maximum, unless there are aggravating circumstances, which means that you can get life, mm -hmm. okay? Because you're a repeat offender or yeah. something like that. So just because it says you can get 30 years, what are the circumstances surrounding that? Mm -hmm. So here's a specific case. You get into an argument with your boy, or you get in an argument with somebody, mm -hmm. and then, and I've seen this in, in college, you get into an argument, they walk, they go get in the passenger seat of a car because they're like, I don't want to deal with this. So you pushed them or whatever happened. And you reach in the car and you punch them in the face. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just hit you. All I did was hit you. Yeah. No, 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 no. In the state of Florida, that is considered a first degree felony. That's called a burglary battery. Yeah. You burglarize their car by breaching the, uh, the window mm -hmm. into the car. So that is now a burglary. Uh, with intent to commit a crime. Yeah. The crime is a battery. Okay. And the battery is the punch. So now we're looking at a first degree felony, okay? Yeah. Up to 30 years. That's talking about having and a bad day. That's a bad day. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure you've known someone to punch somebody oh, sitting in a course, car, okay? Course, yeah. 
so in the same respect, you say it's a family event or let's say it's Thanksgiving or something, mm -hmm. all right? Someone gets a little too inebriated, you're like, get out of here, Wanna, and the family gets into an argument, or maybe it's a funeral or some, some gathering. They come back, and they try to get in, they say, no, and then they open the door, they punch somebody in the face. Yeah. That's a burglary dwelling battery, wow. okay? That's a first degree felony. Now, in a situation like that with your family, families I, I don't like, and I've been taught by very smart people, Family situation should really remain in the family. Mm -hmm. You don't want this stuff coming to court. Nobody wins at the end of the day. Yeah. Nobody wins. Unless it's a domestic violence situation or something that really has, where the law enforcement really needs to intervene. Two family members hashing their family issues out in the middle of court on the record mm -hmm. isn't something that is going to heal the family. Exactly. That's what you want to ultimately get to is healing of the family. So when we talk about equitable justice, should we really be prosecuting people for first degree felonies on familial issues that can be dealt with in a more humane way or way to do with it at the house just at the house with counseling talk. with yeah. whatever mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily need to be within the criminal justice system yeah. it could be about money mm -hmm. but does that money do these uh, monetary issues need to be dealt with in the criminal system or the civil system mm -hmm. we need to make smarter decisions within the criminal justice system just because it's brought to us doesn't mean that we have to prosecute it the way that Others believe we should prosecute it. Yeah. We should prosecute cases and apply justice in an equitable manner where it does the least amount of harm while ensuring that there are consequences to your action. Mm -hmm. Because you are taught as a young person, and I firmly believe that there are consequences to your action. Mm -hmm. But how severe do these consequences need to be? Yeah. Okay? They could still be life affirming they could be long lasting, but they need to ruin your life. Mm -hmm. And those are the differences. Like I could convict you as a felon and it affects you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Affects you getting licenses, affects you, affects you voting, affects you getting a job. Yeah. You could be convicted for a grand theft in 1992 and still not get a job in 2020. It's crazy. Because you could be completely re rehabilitated by then yeah. Even after a year and still people look at you as this felon or somebody that's a burglar, whatever. You have that label on you for the rest of your life. And you've seen, well, I've seen movies, I've seen people where they're just, they're trying to survive because they have this label on them that's just, like you said, a bad day. And it's just all of a sudden that whole label's tagged on you for the rest of your life and they're fighting that constantly. And mm. it gets to a point where they can no longer fight. They no, they no longer have that will to keep going because so many people just see them as negative. And I know I want to bring it back to family yeah. because your father was somebody that was in a similar situation. You had to witness that and saw that. How was that for you growing up and, and going, seeing that process and how your father is now today? How has that whole just life been for you seeing that then and to now? My, it, it's interesting. Uh, we live in a generation now where we feel as though uh, co-parenting is the way mm -hmm. uh, and the divorce rate in our country has risen 
And I was raised in a home where I had a father and a mother, and there were tensions. There was tension a lot of times. I, I talked to my mom recently. I was like, Mom, you had to be a strong woman to be in a relationship with a man mm -hmm. early. I think they got together when they were in their 20s. Wow. Then he develops a drug problem. Then he gets convicted. You got three kids with the man at the time. The feds come in, and you're still with them to this day. She's like, yeah, we've been through some things. That's love right there. That's love right there. And she said, it was a part, you guys, making sure that you had a sta we had a stable family, uh, and you had both parents in your life. But the other part is that I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know who he is as a man, and I understand that there are mistakes that happen. So I'm going to help him through this. And it was with, she likes to say, the grace of God and uh, him building that trust back with her to, to make that happen. And I think that example starts with my mother mm -hmm. and then it grows to my father. So okay. it started with my mother really explaining that and being that rock. And I've said this to her and other women that black women in particular, because I'm black, I grew up in a black community, had, I would not be where I am without them. Yeah. Um, they have uplifted me and gave me the ability to be where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but then seeing my father as an example of what to do and what not to do is extremely important mm -hmm. as well. And he, it has informed me through my career, my drive. At age 17, I started a business. Uh, grew to be an $11 million business in five years. Impressive. Uh, we, I was a paper boy. Mm -hmm. Literally, I was a paper boy. Mm -hmm. Opportunities came and I was able to take advantage of the opportunities and grow the business. But it would not have been an $11 million business without my father. Yeah. And the skills that he learned through his life to propel and push the business forward. So you're talking about someone who had been on drugs and also who was incarcerated and a convicted felon. If it would have went any other way during this time, him continue to be hooked on drugs, not given an opportunity to get off, um, his family not supporting him, so he may have been, gone into a deeper spiral. And then additionally, him being incarcerated and being a convicted felon and him falling deeper into the trap as well, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have been there for me to help build the business yeah. and then go from there as well. Yeah. So, and encouraged me to do other things like this. He was a huge supporter of the campaign nice. and he, he, when I had a problem, I was like, Dad, okay, let's go back to business. Yeah. Like, how deep do I get into this thing? He's yeah. like, do you want to win? Yeah, well, we did this in business. Yeah, There is no, either you want this or you don't want this. Yeah. Pick a side, period. And I was like, okay, let me put some more of my own money into this thing. <laughs> so it, he, he was an inspiration during the campaign, prior to the campaign. Nice. Not just him, it was the rest of the family as well. Nice. Uh, because it takes a village mm -hmm. to... Uh, or as some folks have said recently, a pride uh, to to raise this uh, to raise your young lions and to raise your young folks in the community. Yeah.
I mean, that, that right there shows you that just because a label is tacked onto somebody doesn't mean that's who they are. Yeah. Because your dad, obviously, well, both your parents, but your dad is somebody that is continually pushing you. He, regardless of what has happened in his life between your mother and him, they were able to band together and have you guys as the main focus. And I think that's what is missing in society among African-Americans, and we were talking mm -hmm. about it outside, is that circle is continuous of mm -hmm. violence, gangs, trying to be somebody else, getting money and, and just do the wrong things. Like, it gets to a point in time where you have to break that cycle. You have to be able to take care of your kids, not just have five kids and say, oh, I got five kids and just put them to the wayside. Your parents yeah. grew you guys, groomed you guys, pushed you guys to be where you are today. And society is, is broken, very broken. Yeah. And you see, you see it all the time. And especially what is going on now in today's society, the economic system, poverty, mm. and the stuff that you've seen, that plays a big role in it that people aren't really necessarily talking about too much. So for you, for you, what do you see as far as how the economic system is structured and what should be changed? Because we're all about solutions here. Yeah. We're never about putting more gas, gasoline on the fire. Just talking to be talking. That doesn't help yeah. as far as posting things and being angry, posting things, pointing the finger without any real solutions. And I know throughout this whole time I've tried to explain to people these are the, some of the things that we should be focusing on instead of just getting angry. Because if we just get angry, it'll be the same thing over and over again, and history always repeats itself. So for you, what is the solution that you think, not a big solution, but a starting point, the first step that can be taken inside the family to better themselves? And that's where I want to start is the family home, the people inside the family, and what we can do next to kind of make this a, a trend, a wave to where people understand it starts with me first, mm. and I can help others if I, if I learn how to help myself to be beneficial to society. So I know in a, a previous interview, you interviewed your mother. Yeah. And um, I love that it was done at this table because it gives the feel, one, of intimacy, mm -hmm. and two, um, the kitchen table. Yeah. And what we are discussing are kitchen table issues. And coming from the D.C. area and coming down here, which is one of the furthest points that you can get from, uh, like, D.C., or I think it's the furthest point in, I think, down in the Keys in America. That's probably as far as you can get. Yeah, yeah. as far yeah. as you can get. And people don't just, every four years they might listen to D.C. or what's going on with the president, but they, they're living their life day to day. Yeah. That's really what it is. So these kitchen table issues are extremely important. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about is how am I going to put food on the table? Am I going to have a job? Can I raise and secure my kids and my family? Can I be secure myself? Mm -hmm. And then also, well, I have a little bit of money to do some of the things that I want to do, which is why during the campaign we spoke about three things. Security, justice, economy. Mm -hmm. Security, being able to be secure within your family, make sure that you and your family are protected. Um, justice, equitable justice. Uh, and even, will I have a place to lay my head tonight? Yeah. And then economy. The economics of your circumstances, of your community, will I be able to take care of those two things with the, this one thing? Mm -hmm. So understanding that 
it's more than just uh, criminal justice in general, but it all, again, starts at home. Yeah. Even in 2000, I believe it was 2006 or 2007, when then Senator Obama gave his announcement that he was running for president. What he said was, during his speech, there is, you have to look within yourself mm -hmm. to say, I'm not just gonna rely on government. I need to do this myself. Mm -hmm. I need to take self account of what I can do. Mm -hmm. So even when, when it comes to voting and uh, everyone, right now voting is super sexy. Voting yeah. is like, everybody go vote, everybody go vote. Yeah. We have commercials about strippers going to vote. <laughs> we have commercials about people in the middle of the country going to vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, flyover states, all these, these these terms people are using. But that's also self-reliant. Um, self you need to go vote. Yeah. You need to exercise your rights to do that. Mm -hmm. So it does start at home. It starts with you recognizing that you have the power to be determinate for your future. That is the American ethos. That is the American spirit. Yeah. Being disciplined and focused, whether you start on first base or third base, because there are some kids who start on the third base who go back to first base because they ruined everything that their family has set up. Mm -hmm. But there are people that make it a point while starting on third base to say, I'm going to set myself apart, utilize what I have, and set myself apart from what my family has done to make my own path. I forget his name, but Denzel Washington's son recently said this. Um, he's in this movie called Tenet. Oh, that was good. That was yeah, really good. I want to see it. That was good, man. And um, fell asleep. <laughs> uh, I want to see it too because the the kid from the the new Batman. He's uh, he's good too. too. He's good yeah. too. Yeah, I think he was on um, the Twilight movies. He is. Uh, and he, Twilight I've been I've been wondering if he's going to like distinguish himself from these Twilight movies. I'm like, how's he going to do? He did it. He did a good job? He did, okay. right. he did a good job. And he basically said that no matter what I did, I was always going to be compared to my father. Denzel Washington's son did well on the football field. Denzel Washington's son is starting to do well over here in acting. But he knew, made it a point to say, I'm not going directly into acting. I need to distinguish myself from my father, who was so famous. Mm -hmm. Now, I need to come to terms with, uh, they're gonna bring this up. Yeah. But if they're gonna bring it up, let's not have them bring it up in acting right now. Let's have them bring it up in something that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And again, that's somebody who started on third base. He went to the side and said, I'll have a parallel track, but then I might come back. So when, it's ta when you're talking about the family, it does start with the individual, making that self-determination, but the family as well and dealing with these, again, kitchen table issues. Yeah, that's interesting you put it that way. And I always love talking about sports because- I love it too. If you're able to pull the lessons from sports, it helps you understand life a little bit better. And you said it that way with Denzel Washington and, and his son, it was the same way with my mom. My mom mm -hmm. was, she was in Congress at the time and she was getting ready to run for Lieutenant Governor and I just got drafted to Miami. And that was the same way, I didn't want people to think, oh, he got drafted to Miami because he's mm. Jennifer Carroll's son, she's running, it just looks good. That's what the narrative was out there. And I told myself, no, I need to carve out my own life, my own path, even though my, 
my parents, they set me up for success, like you said, I did have to go on a parallel. I had to, for eight years, had to carve out my own life because that's what I wanted to do for myself. And yeah. I wanted to make sure that when I was done with the game, I had at least learned something through it that when I was out of it, I was able to go into something else, another endeavor to where it wasn't, oh, he's just Jennifer Carroll's son. Mm -hmm. It is Nolan Carroll by myself, the same with you. You are David, you are somebody that is your individual self. You are David, the state attorney. And you continue to grow, you continue to manifest. You're a business owner as well, which you just, you snuck that in there a little bit. And I remember <laughs> we talked about, but to be able to, it's almost like you've, you've put it on pause, you've sacrificed your self-benefit for your family and everybody else to help society, mm. to help other people have that same fighting chance that, you know, your dad lost, he gained back and he was able to instill in you. And that's mm. your doing to your child as well. So in a sense, it comes full circle in the betterment of your life and your life to benefit somebody else as being an example. So I definitely, I, like I said, I like that stuff, man. Anytime we, we start talking ball, it's, it's definitely something I enjoy. So well, I want to- My wife definitely wants me to get back to the money. She, she yeah, I know she, she, does. she does. I know she does. She's like, come on, come on. But for, uh, honestly, I, I think what you're doing, you're sacrificing yourself. You're sacrificing your time. You're mm -hmm. sacrificing your energy to fight for it. It could be one person that you save. That one life that you, yeah. you deter from having 30 years, they get 30 days. That's a win, you know, because you've, you've definitely, you've helped them. You've shown them that there's somebody out there that does care about you, that does value your life and wants to see you succeed. And with everything that is going on now, I think a lot of people abuse their power. A lot of people abuse their privilege. A lot of people take it a step further. And I'm really referring to the cops that are out there, the bad cops specifically, and what has been going on and the type of injustice that it has been going on because not everybody is, is forthcoming as far as the negativity that is associated with bad cops and is making cops in general look bad. It's like a mm. football player that has that one guy in the group that just always loves to party, is not as educated, not as intelligent, does dumb stuff all the time. Well, guess what? Other football players are going to get the same bad rap as being just like that one person, which yeah. isn't fair. And I think with what's going on, there's a lot of bad cops out there, and there's good cops that are getting the bad rap. And I'm thinking, my point of view on it is, the good cops have to start taking ownership. They have to start getting brave. They have to in a sense, they have to start growing some balls and start telling on the bad guys that are giving them a bad, a bad name because they're the ones that are going out to really protect and serve. Like mm. What's on their badge is what they mean. And for them to go out and have to fight against people that don't see them the same way, how they honor that badge, what do you think has to be done and what do you think should be done? Not only one for the good guys to, I don't want to say tell, but find a solution to getting that done and then what do you tell basically what do you do with the bad guys that are out there that aren't getting that are just getting slaps on the wrist suspensions and are coming back onto the force well I definitely had to take a sip of water before yeah, yeah. we spoke that, about was, that was a big one yeah because we it, when you talk about solutions it, it's a serious issue yeah it's a ser serious issue that that does need solutions there are a lot of safeguards that are put in place to ensure that Police officers in, in particular are not singled out. Uh, police officers bill of rights, which many states have within their constitution, mm -hmm. uh, which essentially allow them not to be uh, prosecuted in a way that other 
citizens are prosecuted. They have due process. Yeah. Um, but I also like what you said about it's a team. And you have to take account of the individuals on your team that are not doing well. And in many ways, it's a family as well. So I, I don't typically like saying it's a family, it's a fraternity, these different things. Mm -hmm. But in every group, uh, it doesn't matter if it's football, it's within your family, it's law enforcement, whatever. Mm -hmm. There are some people that just ain't doing right. I got a cousin right now, grew up just like us. And my family, my brother, sister, and I, are the only ones, we have a large family. Yeah. The only ones in our family that went to college, finished. Got to have our masters and all three of us have a PhD. Mm. I have an uncle that told me once, we thought that if you graduated from high school and got a good job, you were gonna be good. That's a limiting belief right there, that's just. 100%, and um, when I went to, when I graduated from law school, he said, this is amazing. And he told me that story at the time. Uh -huh. He was like, this is amazing. Like, you could do whatever you want to do, but I have a cousin who's unfortunately in custody right now. He had the same opportunities. We thought that he was going to be the smart one, the one that went to law school. We were supposed to have a law, a law firm called Kennedy, Kennedy, and Kennedy. Wow. But he got locked up, so not so much. <laughs> so it's just two candidates. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to your point, you're going to have to hold people's feet to the fire yeah. no matter what, no matter where they're at. And it's important that we do that. However, I like to say, and this, is, this isn't a cop-out answer, this is very serious. This is a problem with the criminal justice system. This isn't a problem with police officers. We created this mess and it needs to be cleaned up as a system in and of itself. Mm -hmm. We're talking about cops, prosecutors, judges, defense attorneys. Sometimes defense attorneys are complicit in these things going on because their only goal is to help that specific client, mm -hmm. whether it's to get them out of jail at that point because they've been in jail, whether it's to get them out of jail so they can get paid, yeah. which I've heard uh, defense attorneys say, whether it's the judge just making decisions because they can make decisions yeah. based on their own particular uh, persuasion of that day prosecutors prosecuting to the fullest extent of the law, mm -hmm. uh, considering individuals, as we've seen in Broward in the last six months, a prosecutor came out and said, former prosecutor, thankfully they were fired, said um, during a peaceful protest, you people should be ashamed of yourself. I can't believe that you're out there. If you would just listen to the laws, then we wouldn't have any of these problems. Uh, you're like, animals let out of a zoo, and I'm ashamed to be a human right now. This individual, this, this prosecutor, who again, it was thankfully fired for her yeah. actions. In my, in my estimation, again, and I'll get back to the cops thing in a second, but in my estimation, when you think about that, forget the, the zoo animal thing for a second. Mm -hmm. You are protecting and prosecuting, protecting victims, and prosecuting individuals within a certain area, and now you're saying that if you were to just listen to the laws, if you were to just do this, then everything would be fine. That's the first problem, yeah. that you are now uh, prejudging individuals before they even come to your courtroom. Yeah. Guilty and then the, proven innocent, man. That's and then the, the second thing is, 
now you're saying they're just like animals and then you see them as being beneath you as well so now you, you hit us with the double whammy yeah so you definitely gotta go yeah but then individuals who think like that are not just in law enforcement excuse me in uh they're not just police officers they're also prosecutors some of them are defense attorneys all defense attorneys aren't bleeding heart liberal democrats mm -hmm. that love socialism and marxism some of them are conservative let's be very honest about that mm -hmm. so it's about rehauling the system but also calling out individuals as a prosecutor when you see something wrong with police officers it is your duty to say stop yeah stop this is where it went wrong and what was on this piece of paper is not what I saw in that video. Yeah. What's the, dis the where is it? Well, I want the person, I had to throw some sauce on it because I wanted the person to go, what are you doing throwing sauce on yeah. I gotta throw this case out. Yeah. I have to throw this case out. What you did was wrong. Because now it becomes about what they can spin instead of the actual situation. And it's your integrity. Yeah. Your integrity's on the line. Yeah. Now you may not have gone out and shot someone or killed someone, but you fabricated mm -hmm. what really happened. Just give me the facts the way the facts are. Let us prosecute the case the way it needs to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. But if you give us the facts the way the facts need to be set out, we can do something with this. Yeah. A lot of people, attorneys will say, uh, civil attorneys and criminal attorneys, just tell me the information. Of attorney and client privilege, tell me the information. If yeah. you tell me the information, I can do something with it. Mm -hmm. But if you're holding back and you're lying, then it, the whole the house of cards can fall. Yeah. You don't lie to your doctor and say, no doctor, everything's fine, I don't have diabetes, I don't have high cholesterol. All right, let's run some blood samples. What is wrong with you? How are you still alive? Yeah. You have diabetes, <laughs> high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Yeah. Oh, I don't eat pork, I don't smoke, I don't do this. And they find out that you do. I can't diagnose you properly mm -hmm. if I don't have the right information to diagnose you. Yeah. Well, we also understand in, in certain communities as well, even here in South Florida, we are, and I'm saying South Florida for a specific reason, there are areas that are highly policed and there are areas that are not highly policed. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Jeffrey Epstein in Palm Beach and those secluded, uh, islands. secluded areas, yeah. whether it's in Miami Gardens, where there's a lot of police for a lot of now, in certain areas where there's a lot of police. Mm -hmm. uh, Plantation, which has a very good police department, but there are some rougher areas and there are some not rougher areas mm -hmm. in Plantation as well. Uh, or even out in Weston. Weston and, and Parkland. Parkland, we had a tragedy there. Yeah. Statistically, it is still the safest place to live in the state of Florida but we still have things that happen there yeah. that are not necessarily reported because there are not a lot of police there. Yeah. If the police force were equally or equitably um, uh, allocated, then you may actually identify that some of the same crimes that are happening in uh, Lauderhill or Lauderdale Lakes or uh, Sunrise or Tamarack are the same crimes that are yeah. happening out west mm -hmm. or that are happening in the southern part of um, certain areas in Miami as well. And I bring up Broward in particular because 
first off, you being a football player, a former football player, you know this as well. I have some pr friends who are professionals and some friends who are in the executive office too. Mm -hmm. Like one man, Joe Briggs. Um, yeah, Joe's yeah. 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 uh, a FSU guy. Yeah. And um, Joe, who works for the NFLPA, we, we've had these discussions before. The, I think this, it's the Players, Player Care Foundation. Mm -hmm. Player Care Foundation, um, part of their mandate is to go to all 50 states and to test retired players and to ensure that, um, to basically like make sure that they're physically yeah. Uh, yeah. doing well and they're mentally doing well and to also collect data to see, hey, how's the game affecting these people later on in life? Yeah. And they go to all 50 states. But you get the most participation in certain areas and in certain states. Atlanta, New York, LA, South Florida. Mm -hmm. So you got a lot of retired folks down exactly. here who play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I bring that up is because you understand that some of these people do come from hardened areas and they deal with issues differently than other people have dealt with issues in the past. Mm -hmm. Some of them go back to where they came from that same mentality even if they live in higher end areas. Yeah. So if the cops come to your house and you live in a higher end area mm -hmm. and they stop you, they stop your Bentley, they stop your whatever, no. you are still susceptible to getting pulled over or whatever. Yeah. There are preconceived notions of what your skin color means no matter where you're at, mm -hmm. what your background means. Some people don't want athletes in where they live. This period, I don't care what you look like. They're like, you have parties. I know my neighbors I'm don't like me in here. I've been here four years. <laughs> they don't like me at all just because that preconceived notion that you're talking about. Yeah, man. They, look, and Chris Rock said this before. He said, in my neighborhood, it's me, it's Jay-Z, and it's Mary J. Blige. I live next to a dentist. <laughs> He's not even the best dentist in the world. He's just a dentist. I am one of the best comedians ever. You have arguably the best rapper, mm -hmm. and you have the queen of hip-hop and R&B. Yeah. And we all live in this neighborhood <laughs> next to this dentist. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, you, when it goes back to equitable justice and, and understanding society differently than other people, when you allocate and execute and engage in the um, application of law, if you're not doing it with a mind of justice involved, then you run into issues that we have been running into in our society. Yeah. So to come full circle back to what you were talking about with holding cops, feet to the fire. You do need to hold their feet to the fire. Huge advocate for that. You have to. Mm -hmm. Cops will come out, police officers will come out and say, we are the number one people that hate bad police officers. If you're going to do that, you need to stand next to other good police officers and say, this ain't about blue. Yeah. This ain't about black or white. This is about right and wrong. Mm -hmm. What you did was wrong. Mm -hmm. And we can't have that anymore. Yeah. We had it for a season. That season is done. And prosecutors need to stand next to them and say, absolutely. We need to stop using things like the 
like grand juries in that process mm -hmm. to only prosecute police officers and let you use the power of the office to to do the things that we need to do. Yeah. From a legislative standpoint, again, this goes back to voting, this goes back to understanding laws, this goes back to being self-accountable as individuals. If you don't like something, then vote the people in that will change those things. Exactly. If you don't like legislation that's on the books, go get somebody to change the legislation exactly. on the books. Exactly. Go get people who are going to um, lobby for the changes that you want them to do. Mm -hmm. We have the power to do it. Mm -hmm. And it starts with the individuals pushing forward. Moms demand action um, or mad. Moms against drunk driving. Mm -hmm. Those didn't start with some big organization. It became a big organization because yeah. a bunch of moms said no more. Yeah. Uh, women's March, um, March for Our Lives. Those are kids. March for Our Lives are kids. Mm -hmm. Women's March started with young women. Tamika Mallory was a part of that. These are women within their, in their 30s. Martin Luther King started his first major boycott the, um, when he was 25. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about people doing these movements, engaging in these movements while they are young to move and push and move our society together. So you can't be afraid to engage in it. And this isn't imputing, pol imputing police officers. Love police officers. My wife's a former police officer, yeah. okay? So she's one of the smartest people I know. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying that, but she's is a police officer from New Orleans and the only person in history, in uh, Jefferson Pierce's history, to be a CSI and a police officer at the same time. Wow. So she's a scientist and a police officer. So when I, as a prosecutor, and even when I was running for office, she used to tell me, police officers are like normal people. Mm -hmm. They are normal people. They want to come home to their families. They don't want to make mistakes. But sometimes they have bad days too. Yeah. And when they have bad days, unfortunately, other people around them have bad days. Mm -hmm. And we need to hold all of ourselves to a higher account. So if we're in these positions, we need to execute the laws correctly. Yeah. Maybe we just need some more days off. I don't know. <laughs> so we can get our minds straight. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's well said what you, the way you're able to bring it together, it makes, to me, it makes a lot of sense because it does start with us. We have to take accountability. We have to say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that we need to do. These are the things that we need to hold people accountable for and we need to see it through. This is not this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is something that's going to take time. It's not going to yeah. happen overnight. And I think there's a lot of people that are impatient. They want things to just happen right now. They're demanding it to happen right now. It will happen. It's just about us. Well, there, it's a few things. I, I do agree with you. And I, I agree with statements like, if now, if not now, then when? Yeah. So that means not change it now. That means if not now, if you are not the person to do this now, then when are we going to do exactly. this? So now you now you start engaging in the process mm -hmm. to get it done. Yeah. And justice deferred is injustice, really. Mm -hmm. You want to and you don't want to defer the justice, but you want to start engaging in the process so you can move forward as quickly or as judiciously or quickly exactly. as possible. Yeah. But what I'll also say, too, because we, we have a 
a lot of folks are talking about, especially at this moment, Breonna Taylor and how she was shot by police officers. Mm -hmm. um, George Floyd, how he was uh, killed by a police officer too. Unfortunately, the deaths of individuals are the things that have been in the forefront of what are upsetting everyone in our country right now. Yeah. But, in my opinion, it is not only the deaths, but it is the over-enforcement uh, of law enforcement. The, law, the officer who throws somebody on the ground mm -hmm. and handcuffs them inappropriately for a misdemeanor crime. Yeah. Uh, a police officer who sees where it's illegal, absolutely, in the state of Florida, uh, to recreationally smoke marijuana, mm -hmm. but I pull you over, I see you smoking a J, and then I swallow it because I don't want to get caught with it or yeah. something, and then you reach your hand in my mouth, pull it out, and now you hit me with a third-degree felony with tampering, and you hit me with possession of marijuana, so now I'm looking at a misdemeanor, and I'm looking at a felony, and because I was possibly... Uh, resisting because mm -hmm. always it's throw called that in there. It, resisting yeah. with yeah. violence, resisting without violence. Mm -hmm. You reached in my mouth. I may have tried to close my mouth, most likely, and I bit you. Now I'm resisting with violence, so that's another felony. Yeah. Okay, so it, 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 it's over policing erodes law enforcement, our trust in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So yes, the killings are horrible and killings are bad, and they show the culmination. Of the issue yeah. that of of the of the over policing, mm -hmm. which is why I spoke about policing certain neighborhoods or certain areas more so than you are policing these other neighborhoods. Yeah. The reason why these people don't like you is because you're always in their neighborhood. <laughs> the reason why these people love you and they're giving to the firefighters and they're giving to police officers because they don't see you and we perceive that you're keeping the crime out of our neighborhoods. Yeah. And these people think that you're just bullying them the whole time. Yeah. When I was running, there's this concept. This is a legal con or a, a social um, concept that's called community. Uh, everyone talks about community policing, okay? Community prosecuting. What that means is rebuilding the relationship with the community. So community policing is having the beat cop who knows that Jimmy in the corner is a good kid but he needs to walk to school because Miss Jones uh, doesn't have a car. Mm -hmm. So she can't take him to school, but he's got to ride the bus. But to walk to school or to get to the bus, he's got to pass through a rough corner. And he might get bullied by these people, or he might get... Um, uh, he may... Somebody might get influence him. Exactly. Or I was like going to say coerce, yeah. but influence yeah. you to do something you're not supposed to mm -hmm. or get into a gang or something like yeah. that. So community policing says that we're going to make sure that everyone around us knows that Jimmy's a good kid and he's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. He These might even be his friends, but yeah. he's not the bad kid. Mm -hmm. He This is product of circumstance, product of neighborhood. Mm -hmm. he's, he's either going to get beat up or be these kids' friends, yeah. but he might not be a gang, in the gang. Yeah. Um, and then ensuring that we don't wrap him up with everyone else who's doing engaged in criminality. 
because it's not illegal to have friends who are engaging in illegal behavior. Yeah. It's illegal to engage in illegal behavior, illegal behavior. But what community prosecuting says is we are rebuilding the broken relationship that we have with our communities because we have been over-prosecuting people. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is engaging in going into the community and educating kids and educating the population on what prosecutors do and how they prosecute. And that's what I have been doing. That's what I continue to do. I've spoken to over 40 schools. It's really like 60 schools, but I don't tell people that too much because they're like, 60 schools? Yeah, 60 schools, high schools and middle schools in Broward County in South that's Florida within two years. Why? Because I made it a point to go out there and do it and also do my job and come home and get yelled at because I'm too little too late because I've been out here. Man. So it's if we are not mending the relationship between law enforcement and our community, how are we ever going to actually move forward and build that trust? That's true. That's very true. I mean, it's a lot of information, man. I know. That's why I had to take some water. Hey, phew, gosh, that, you're right. Uh, I mean, everything you've said, everything we've talked about, even everything we talked about outside has been, it's been good to hear that from somebody that is actually doing it. Mm. You know, you have all these, all these people that think they know what's going on, but they don't really know what's going on. It's like a, a critic trying to tell me what I need to do on the football field. But if they were to put the pads on and go and do it themselves, they wouldn't even know where to start. Wouldn't know where to They don't know yeah. how fast it is. They don't yeah. know how, how yeah. your mind's got to go from A to B to C. And what I've loved about sports, too, is that it's, especially when I played, I was able to be focused on the sport and not be focused on the stuff outside. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times it's, those, it's the noise that gets to you. Yeah. When you're in politics, when you're trying to affect change, a lot of times it's the noise that still comes in. Exactly. Uh, I know prosecutors now that say, I have to go speak to a supervisor about breaking a case down, or my boss might not like if I do this. You're thinking about this while you are trying to make a decision on what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Just do what's right. Yeah. Stop thinking about all the other stuff. If, if you are a football player, you are supposed to be in a specific area, and you know, if I'm in this area, I'm following what the game plan is, I'm relying on everybody else, it's going to make the team more successful. Mm -hmm. And I think Bill Belichick has been great at that. And I'm a Raiders fan, and <laughs> unfortunately the Patriots beat us this Sunday. It, but following Belichick's game plan has got them to be the most winningest yeah. team of our generation. Exactly. We're heading it on the football note. I love it, man. Yeah, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. Well, I'm a Saints fan. It's a, it's a house divided, but... Oh, uh, it was a bad game yesterday. <laughs> uh, I know yeah. she feels bad today, but I definitely appreciate you coming on here, Mr. Kennedy, and, and dropping some knowledge and explaining the process. Explain it to me because there's still things I don't even know. Yeah, anytime. And I definitely appreciate you breaking down everything and hopefully the people that are, are listening to this as well gain something from it, at least gain some information where they can pass it on to somebody else, because this is what it's about, is, is understanding what's going on in society, understanding ways to find a solution, and then applying that. Because if we don't apply it, it doesn't do anything for us. It, it's, it's all about solutions, man. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, I was having a conversation yesterday about, with one of my good friends in D.C., about all these people on TV talking 
that sound good, but do not know what they're talking about. Like, yeah. again, putting on the pads, yeah. being in the trenches, understanding. You're talking about fixing a system uh, because you've seen the system harm you. Mm -hmm. So let's tear the whole system down. You can't tear the system down. Yeah. It's, it's going to be anarchy, mm -hmm. and you don't want it. Charlemagne even says, I am a law-abiding citizen. I call the cops. Yeah. I don't run up in people's houses and deal with situations like I'm in the street. No. Yeah. We yeah. need police officers, yeah. and we need prosecutors. You shot my cousin. My cousin was six years old because you were shooting at somebody else and you hit her. I am relying on the police and the prosecutors to find you and put you in prison yeah. because you shot my six-year-old cousin. Yeah. I am not code of the streets. I'm not, no, 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 no. This is what it is. Yeah. We rely on, a civil society relies on their civil systems to take care of themselves, mm -hmm. uh, to help take care of them. But it also takes that self-determination and it also takes us challenging, having that American spirit inside of us to put a foot forward and challenge the status quo and ensure what can be is and what should be is happening. So I appreciate you doing this. I love that you're doing this. We spoke about this. Mm -hmm. Coming from where you came from, uh, the background that you have, being a professional athlete and seeing what that encompasses and being around famous folks all the time. And then also coming through football and finding your voice, I think that's amazing. It's a lot of... A lot of people don't find their voice, uh, whether that, it's YOLO, building your own business, uh, uh, or engaging in these types of conversations. I appreciate it, man. Uh, because I think it brings in your sphere. Mm -hmm. It brings in your people. Mm -hmm. And your folks, whether you're lifting weights on Instagram or, <laughs> or hanging out with uh, other great-looking people, as everyone wants to in America, um, or even tapping in with your your friends who are athletes, they are an important important part of the process as well, mm -hmm. and they should be informed just like everybody else. And I appreciate you allowing me on the show and to have a conversation with me. Yeah, no problem, man. I just shoot. I can't say anything better than what you just said, <laughs> man. So I definitely appreciate you, and I thank you, everybody. That Conversations is with Carol. Definitely, man. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.